Take your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4, right up with uh, 1 Corinthians 12, a couple of my favorite chapters in the Bible. Maybe it's just because I love the, the body aspect of a church and how it all works together. And Ephesians 4 is one of those sections. We're going to start a six-week um, series on encouragement. Uh, how many of you need encouragement at different points in your life? Great. How many of you feel somewhat inept at a, encouraging others? You struggle with it a little bit, like how to do it well, beyond like a hug and I'm praying for you or, right, so I, I know I do. Um, and so this series really is intended to help us with that. It's fascinating how this idea ties into the power of God's word. And that's right where God has had us in our study of Mark. And so I think this will be fitting and helpful for us. So I uh, want to get rolling with this idea. Let's make sure my clicker's doing its thing. There we go. Why is encouragement important? I know this seems like a self-evident question, but why is it important in our lives as Christians or as we interact with people around us? Sure, the Bible tells us to. Hebrews 10, you're beating me to my verses, but that's all right. Why else is it important? Why is it important practically? Okay. Do we ever struggle to have hope? Yeah, so it can come alongside to give us hope. Why else? Okay. Sometimes you're trying to faithfully follow the Lord and you're, it just comes alongside and says, hey, I see how God's using you. And I'm thankful for that. And that's encouraging, isn't it? Right? Whether you're working with kids or teens or serving as an usher or whatever. Why else? Absolutely, it's commanded. Anybody else? Why do we need encouragement? My son loves sending people emojis. So these are four that I found. It's always fascinating what a two-year-old sends grandma and grandpa, you know. It's kind of all over the place sometimes. There's actually four emojis, and, and they might capture some of how you feel sometimes. I know they capture some of how I feel. Right? Do you ever, do you ever just feel the struggle that following Jesus is? I got up Thursday morning, and I was just struggling. And I was frustrated with how hard marriage is. Not because of my wife, it's just mostly me, it's hard. I was frustrated with parenting, how hard that is, what a struggle that can be. I have a two-year-old who's a wonderful gift from God sometimes, and a spawn of Satan sometimes. As you're bear-hugging him and he's screaming his brains out, because he's angry they didn't get to watch a fourth episode of Wild Kratts, right? Like... This is unbelievable. It's frustrated because work is hard. Balancing work and pastoring is hard. My sin is hard. And, and then I thought to God's word. This struggle is normal. It's part of living in a fallen world is the struggle. Like, think about the things in our Bibles that people are sick of. I mean, read Romans 7, right? For someone who's familiar with Romans 7, what is frustrating Paul in Romans chapter 7? Some of you are like, I have no idea what that even is. For some of you to ring a bell. What's frustrating him, Paul? Yeah, he wants to do what's right, and he keeps doing what's wrong. The things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I do. You ever feel that way? Right? Second piece of dessert. It calls my name. You think about Romans 8, 
that the whole creation is groaning. Right? You're not alone in your groaning. My soul groans. The creation groans. There's a fascinating um, point in there that the spirit groans in intercession on our behalf. And you know what I found as I was just skimming through that chapter this week? You know why we're groaning? Because God, because of sin, has subjected us to it. We live in a groaning condition. You ever get sick of death? Disease and death? It's interesting. One of the passages that challenges us to encourage one another is 1 Thessalonians 4 and 5. There's a resurrection coming, but death stinks. It hurts. It leaves gaps. It creates pain. We struggle. You ever struggle because sowing God's word and praying for the people you love doesn't seem to be producing any fruit? The fruitless effort of sowing. You ever feel that way? And so Galatians tells us, don't be weary in doing good, for in due season you will reap if you don't faint. But it's not yet. You ever struggle because you feel like you're serving God alone? Remember Elijah, right after a great victory, crawls up into a mountain cave and just wants to die? He's that discouraged? I mean, this sort of struggle stuff is very real. And some of us are better at others than others, and maybe we should just say worse than others, at hiding it. But everyone in this room is struggling, is groaning, is frustrated in some way, shape, or form. We're all living there because we're sinners in a world that God created, and it just makes a mess. The struggle is everywhere. So, so you have an emoji that's grimacing. By the way, that's what the teeth one means. I learned that yesterday. You know the one on the bottom right is actually the emoji for being downcast, for being downtrodden. Despite the sweat of your brow, you're left frustrated. So the struggle is real. Let's read some verses together. Can somebody take a few of these? We'll just read through these quickly. I the first two kind of remind us of the struggle I love the middle one. We'll park there for a sec. Can somebody take John 16, 33? Thanks, Jonathan. That's fitting for you. Job 5, 7. Marty? Sorry, you can have the next one. Can you take Psalm 34, 15 to 18? Hebrews 3, 13. Paul, thanks. John 16, 33. Oh, you're passing the mic around, aren't you, Simeon, so they can hear it on the recording. Thank you. Don't be afraid of the mic. It won't hurt you. John 13, or 16, 33. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you may have tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Okay. In the world we will have what? Trouble. Tribulation. It'll be hard. But take heart. Right? When you look at the words about encouragement and discouragement in the Bible... They almost all deal with a condition of the heart. Job 5, 7, another very familiar verse. 
but man is born to trouble as the sparks fly upward. Okay. And the longer you live, the more you see that that's true. But th th these next verses that John Kinder is going to read, I really want you to listen to them and hear the heart of God. Because at, at the heart of this idea of encouragement is God's heart. Listen to Psalm 34, 15 to 18. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil, to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry, and the Lord hears, and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near unto them that are of a broken heart, and saves such as be of a contrite spirit. Okay, can you read that last verse again? The Lord is near unto them that are of a broken heart, and saves such as be of a contrite spirit. The idea of contrite spirit is that they're crushed in their spirit. So that's the heart of God. Hebrews 3.13, these are these directions to us to encourage one another. Hebrews 3.13. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So interesting, the word for encourage is actually used a bunch of different ways. It's actually just the idea of speaking alongside someone. So it's always, a, it's always using your words, but it's just about coming alongside someone with those words. So sometimes those are like challenging words. Sometimes they're comforting words. Sometimes they're encouraging words, right? So, so I love the way that that verse starts, but encourage or exhort one another while it, what it, can you read that since I just butchered it? But exhort one another every day. Yeah. As long as it's called today. Right. What's the point there? Do it today. If it's called today, every day, do it today, right? Because there's a danger. What's the danger, Paul? Okay, so we need to encourage one another, which sometimes happens when people are discouraged, and sometimes happens when they're just going the wrong way. We need to be like, hey, 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 not a good way to go. You may feel like it's okay, but it's a bad way to go. Encourage each other. Okay, it's part of why it's so important for us to gather together. There is something lost at home, even if you're listening to worship songs and watching a sermon. There is a personal interaction that is needed and this is not a direction to pastors, right? Like, we don't carry a unique responsibility on Sunday. That, okay, pastors, you got to figure out who's having a bad day and make sure you get to all of them. It's actually something we all do together. We all have our antenna up together. You know, some of you know each other better than I know you. Especially those of you who are family. Right? You can look into each other's eyes and get a pretty quick read about what's going on. You're actually better positioned to encourage somebody than... Somebody who's in a position like a pastor or deacon might be. Ladies, you speak through pink megaphones and wear pink hearing aids and wear pink glasses, and that's how you see the world. Men, you speak through blue megaphones, you have blue hearing aids, and you wear blue glasses, and that's how you see the world. Let me illustrate, okay? If a man says... I have nothing to wear. What is he saying? All the clothes are dirty. Nothing is clean. That is what a man is saying. If a woman says, and you're all laughing, right? The men are like, all her clothes are dirty? 
I have nothing to wear. What is a woman saying? I don't like my options. <laughs> it's time to go shopping. I need some more clothes. They said the exact same thing. Why do I say that? Because encouragement is something that can be done through gender sometimes even better than it can across genders. Because you know each other and you see each other and you can, okay? Couple reminders, Christian encouragement is about much more than trying to help sad people be happy or to help happy people stay happy. Can't we do this sometimes? Well, I saw them, they're sad today, they need encouragement. They probably do. But, but it's not about trying to figure out the right thing to say so you can help a sad person be happy. Or even about somebody who's happy trying to help them stay happy. It's got to give them some inspirational words. Christian encouragement is much more than that. I love this one. Christian encouragement isn't focused on complimenting someone's haircut or telling them how good their homemade salsa tastes. Just for instance, this is Tim and I. Tim has learned that after you get a haircut, you take a picture. So that's what he wants to do. So this is us after my last haircut. It's better when he's got one too, but it's not about finding inspirational quotes. Like, I just want to tell you today, you are amazing. You are brave. That's not what Christian encouragement is. It actually is much deeper than that. Which is what brings us to Ephesians chapter 4. I love this whole paragraph, but today is really kind of about setting the stage for this study. And so I just, um, you know what, let's read the paragraph. It's so good. Verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. God gives gifts to the church. We believe that apostles and prophets were part of the formation of the church. They no longer continue. The evangelists, people who are church planter types, shepherds and teachers, he gives people to the church, verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. We could spend the rest of our time there, but we won't do it. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, so that we grow up, so that we're not just drifting and chasing every new idea that comes down the pipe. Rather, speaking the truth in love. That's the heart of encouragement. We are to grow up in every way, into him who is the head, into Christ. When Tim was born, he had a, his head was in the 95th percentile. He had a ginormous head. Like, so big that we went on family vacation to Maine and tried to buy him a beach hat. So they had, like, he was, he was one, right, at the time? We had to buy him a beach hat for 5 to 12-year-olds. Not zero to 12 months, not one to three years, not even three to five years. The beach hat that fit him was five years old. He had a ginormous head. The illustration in these verses is actually that the church is the body and Jesus is the head. And that as a fully developed, perfect head, we are this childlike body that needs to grow 
to fit its head. And part of what allows us to do that is when we learn to speak the truth in love to each other. I love this definition. Christian encouragement is speaking the truth in love with the aim of building Christians up in Christlikeness. And speaking the truth in love to people who don't know Jesus encourages them to put their trust in Christ for forgiveness and salvation. That is Christian encouragement. Now, ultimately at the base of this is the fact that God speaks. That, that God speaks his word. I said this in the sermon last week. The most powerful force in the history of the universe is the word of God. From creation to final judgment and glory, God works through his words. And so his words have transformed you. And actually, if you're walking with Jesus, they still are doing that, aren't they? Like, as Danny preaches this morning, we're hearing about the mercy of God in a way that, that grows us. And, and we're seeing our sin, like the unclean man, in a way that humbles us. And so we actually have words that change us. So God has spoken powerfully to create, to judge, to save, to show us himself, to change us. But that matters as we think about our lives and others. So when you really think about encouragement, you could boil it down this way. God's word changes me. Through me, it can change others too. Isn't that amazing? It's not because you're brilliant. Newsflash, most of us are not. It's because God's word works. So that means something, doesn't it? It means that the best way to encourage each other is not to go to some class on encouragement where you can find out all the popular things to say to people. What are the good self-esteem lines I need to learn? That's not it. Encouragement is, what has God taught me? What have I learned from his word? How can I share that with others in a way that would help them? How would you do that with the sermon this morning? How would you encourage someone else from the sermon we, we heard an hour ago. Hopefully I haven't forgotten it yet. Laura? Right. So no one is beyond the reach. I mean, I could, I could tell you a story that we, we studied together on Sunday that would blow your mind. About someone who was possessed by quite literally thousands of demons. Right? There is no one beyond God's reach. You may feel that way, but it's not true speaking the truth in love okay you also wouldn't go up to that person and go guess what i heard about the sermon sunday you are really bad but there's hope for you <laughs> i mean i was thinking of you the whole time and how bad you are Stephen. i'm picking on Stephen. <laughs> but good news from god's word there is hope for you isn't that good speak the truth in what else? How else would you use the sermon this morning? Test case to encourage someone. Right, so we, we know the heart of God that when he forgives sin, it's gone. And so when we keep going back to it, don't do that. <laughs> That's the truth, and some of our hearts need to hear that when we're sucked back into our past. Right, what else? These are great.
yeah, the mercy that God has made available to me is available to you. By the way, this is also a great answer for gossip. Someone is frustrated with the way they've been treated by someone else. And they just want to air out their complaint to you. What a great truth to come back to them and say, I understand that person hurt you, but God has been merciful to you. Shouldn't you show mercy to them? Right? See, now I'm speaking the truth in love to encourage someone. It's not complicated, but it is intentional. And it is more than nice haircut or your homemade salsa tastes great. Right? And so over the next five weeks, we're going to jump into this topic of encouragement together. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we pray that you might use us as an encouragement to others. We know that the reality of discouragement is real. Life is a struggle. And sin has made it that way. And so we pray that you would give us grace. Help us to learn to speak the truth in love. Help us to take what we hear from your word, whether it's preached to us or whether we're reading it. And Lord, may you first use it to change us. But then may you help us to share it with others. Because we all need it. We're all struggling in some way. And some of us in some very, very deep and hard ways. And so are our neighbors and our friends and our family. And so we pray that you might use this tool of encouragement in our own lives and in the lives of others. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.